Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome to episode 17 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and this episode is really special to me because I have been wanting to create an episode that you guys can use as a reference, not only for yourselves, but maybe for friends that you're trying to explain home birth to, maybe a partner who doesn't quite understand how to wrap their mind around home birth, or maybe a family member who would like to learn more. So I am actually interviewing a midwife today, and we're going over some of the major questions and concerns that people have regarding home birth and its safety. So before we get started, I do want to thank our sponsors for today's episode, one of whom is our interviewee, Carrie LaChapelle. She is a midwife, a licensed midwife CPM of 12 years, and Carrie offers home birth services in the upstate of South Carolina. She provides evidence-based prenatal care, mama-baby family-centered home birth care, including water birth, and mama-baby postpartum care from birth to six weeks and beyond. Carrie also offers extras like beautiful Bangkok belly binding, and she carries a wide variety of wish garden tinctures in her office. The best thing is that Carrie offers a free consultation to see if she's a good fit for your birth. So you can visit Hatched's website, hatchedathome.com, or you can check her out on Facebook at Hatched Midwife Carrie LaChapelle, that's L-A-C-H-A-P-E-L-L-E, or get in touch with her at 864-907-6363. We also have Dr. Ashley Denoy, who is a physical therapist and she runs Body Works Physical Therapy, and she specializes in helping active moms in all stages of life, including pregnancy, move and feel their best to do the activities they love. Dr. Ashley takes a holistic approach to get to the bottom of your issues for lasting results. Whether it's running, yoga, Pilates, lifting, jumping, or playing with your kids, Body Works Physical Therapy will ensure you keep exercising and enjoying your life without limitation. And you can find her on Instagram at bodyworks.pt or on Facebook. She has a Facebook group called Mama Body Works that you can join. And you can find her at her website, bodyworks.pt dash physicaltherapy.com. Thank you to both of those sponsors. And I would also like to take this time to thank our reviewer of the week. I am so grateful, you guys. There have been some really wonderful reviews coming in lately. And this one is from Katie Drew 13. And the, the title is, I am not a mom and I love it. She says, birth stories are my jam. I'm not a mom yet, but envision myself giving birth naturally and at home. This podcast provides beautiful, real, raw, and vulnerable stories of women becoming mothers. I look forward to the podcast every week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you, Katie Drew. If you will email me at caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com, I will be sending you a happy home birth sticker. So guys, if you would keep that up, keep the reviews coming in. I'm so grateful and it's really helping us on iTunes to get the word out. And if you will also continue to follow along on Instagram, if you'll share a screenshot of yourself listening to the podcast and add it to your stories tag at Happy Home Birth Podcast, I will be sure to mention you in my stories and put you in my highlights. So thank you guys for all of that. 
With all of that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the interview with Carrie. Carrie, thank you so much for coming on Happy Home Birth. Thank you for having me, Caitlin. Oh, I'm so excited to be talking with you. As some of you might know, Carrie is actually my midwife, so she holds a very special place in my heart. I'm so excited that I get to work with her and have her on the show. So if you would like, Carrie, I'd love for you to just start by introducing yourself, your family, and your midwifery practice. Okay. Um, I am a licensed midwife CPM, and I do home birth services in the upstate of South Carolina. My name is Carrie LaChapelle Craft, and... I own the home birth practice Hatched. I have six kids, three of which were born at home, three of which were born in the hospital. So I feel like I have a little bit of expertise on both sides of the fence. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's amazing. So how did you come to be a midwife? Did you was it something you just always knew you wanted to do or did you fall into it later? So I actually had never heard of a midwife. My family just had babies like very traditional obstetrical route. Um, which is the same way that I had my first two children. So after having my first baby, I discovered that I loved all things to do with birth. And I literally could not get enough birthy things. But he was born in 1997, kind of pre-era of like so much internet and all that kind of stuff. So I had to like go to the library, pick out books, things like that. So for Christmas one year, I received Ina Mae Gaskin's Spiritual Midwifery book. Uh which I immediately read cover to cover. (laughs) Right. And was just like, I'm, I'm going to be a midwife. Like that's what I'm going to do. But still in my mind, even though I had read the book was still like, I would just like work at a hospital. So my first step was I became a doula. That just really seemed like I somehow discovered it. It seemed like the thing I could do super easy that I could just like get immersed in the birth community. So I took a class. In it would have been like 1999. I took a uh, donor certified doula training course that was taught at one of our local hospitals. And when I went in there, they were like, what are you going to do with this wonderful knowledge? And I was like, I'm going to be a midwife. And they laughed at me. <laughs> hmm. um, you know, midwifery what just didn't seem to be a thing that was really big in our community. So I took the doula class. I became a doula. I worked at the local hospital, loved my job. Loved the fact that I got to see births. I saw so many great things, worked with so many great families, but it just was like never enough. So soon after the birth of my second child, I happened upon a midwife who had an ad in a local parenting magazine that she was taking midwife students. So I called her. She invited me to dinner. I met her. We had dinner. And when she told me what she did, I thought she was crazy. (laughs) (laughs) still do (laughs) home birth was just never on my radar it was not a thing I'd ever heard of it just didn't seem like the thing that people did and so I was just like sitting there like taking it all in as she was telling me this and all I could say to her was people actually do that and that's legal and they pay you to do that you go to their house and people birth at their house like that just seems so weird to me So she told me just to try to keep an open mind that she really felt like I would love it. She invited me to a birth, a very sweet, lovely mama invited me into her birthing space. I went, I watched her have this beautiful water birth in her living room. And that was the end of it for me. (laughs) Oh, wow. I was hooked. It was what I wanted to do to me. Like it had always seemed the way that I felt like women and 
dads and babies and families should be treated like the women was the woman was loved and respected her thoughts and feelings were taken into account her relationship with her husband their relationship with welcoming this new baby and I was absolutely fascinated with the way that I felt like time almost literally stood still when that baby came into the world and everybody stood back and we all just watched in awe of them welcoming this new person into their life and that was so completely opposite from what I had witnessed because I'd only done hospital birth and we didn't have what we have now, like there was no such thing as the magic hour and you had to fight to keep your baby out from under the little French fry warmer. And as soon as you had your baby, they whisked it over across the room and did all their things. And you looked at them from afar, but time didn't stand still. This was like a rushed process and everybody was upset and going quickly. And there was a lot of adrenaline and there was literally just no respect. Like the mom just had the baby and then she's just laying there with, with, with nothing. Mm. And when I saw the birth at home and like this mom is holding her baby and the dad and her are just staring at it and exploring it from head to toe and looking at each other and you could just see the love that they had for each other. It was, this is what I'd always dreamed of. Oh, that's amazing. What a difference. It was such a different, it was such a difference. Well, so on that note, you you saw this home birth and you said that was it for you. You just knew that you had to do it. So after that, what was your schooling like? So I, it's looked completely different than what schooling for midwifery looks like now. So we had to take an approved course that was approved by the state I live in. So I live in the state of South Carolina. South Carolina had an approved curriculum. My teacher, my midwife was actually the teacher of my school. Um, We met with her a couple times a month in a public library and we did a self-study program and we went through everything. Basically, I feel like midwifery wise, from top to bottom, head to toe, we did herbs and everything in this in this class that prepared us for taking the NARM exam. So in South Carolina, you have to do so many prenatals, so many births, and births in many different ways, like similar to how the, the portfolio evaluation process is, but not quite as intense. And then you took the approved midwifery course. And then once you did all that, you turned all your stuff into DHEC and they decided whether or not you were approved to sit for your course or for your test, excuse me. Gotcha. And then you have a a test similar to like a nursing type test. Yeah. So you take the NARM exam. Mm -hmm. So me and another midwife student who used to be a local midwife here, our sweet Elizabeth, Mm -hmm. we took our class, we took our test together. So we had to drive to Columbia and stay overnight. And then we took um, what was a six hour written test. Ooh, that's yeah. a long one. <laughs> it is a really long one. And you, we took it with a very, the guy that oversaw the midwives was a very funny man. <sighs> so he sat with us the time we took our test and we got a break about halfway through so that we could go eat lunch. And I'm pretty sure the two of us, like as much as we could hold in our brains and take the test at the same time, we're just like spewing out questions at each other. Like, did you have this one? Did you have this one? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> yep. Classic. So now, now you are on the other end, you're a midwife and you have apprentices. What is that process like? I super love having apprentices. I never knew like when I would take a student or if I would take any students or what, or what I would do. Sometimes it's still amazing to me that I am the midwife. Like Mm -hmm. I can so very much remember being a midwife student and just feeling like this is so far away from me. Like this is 
this is just a dream. Like this will be a dream that I will have for forever. And now I am the one that's doing it. And now I have students and they are the ones that do it. And it's keeps you on your toes. Mm -hmm. They're so they're learning so much and we're teaching them so much and they're so inquisitive. And it's really fun to talk to them about ideas or thoughts, like watch them together as they are like, you know, you them like replaying birth and moments over in their mind or figuring out how they feel like it works. And it's really great. So I'd really love to talk about the differences between care under a midwife and care under an OB. Um, that is something that I feel like people have a lot of questions about in kind of two ways. I know that at least on on this podcast, a lot of the moms talk about how they love the care that they receive under their midwife and it feels so intimate. But what about what about testing? What about the things that an OB typically offers their patients or requires of their patients? Do you offer the same testing? What's the difference there? So we do. We People get all of the same testing that they get with the typical typical obstetrical route. They still get the option of all the same genetic testing if it's what they desire. They get the same option of ultrasounds, whether it be early ultrasound, 20-week ultrasound, or 35-week ultrasound for position and weight checks. They still have the option of doing all those things. We start looking into um, gestational diabetes screenings, group B strep. We still offer all the same stuff. We just might offer it in alternative ways or you do have the option because we do have an informed consent relationship where I feel like I provide you with what I feel like is important for you to make educated decisions. I ask that you do your own research. And if you still come back to me and say, no, thank you, then, you know, you will feel like you own that decision and I will support you in it. That's great for people. That's great for people like me who (laughs) like to say no to everything. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like we do it and you don't have to be ashamed. I mean, I once had a mom who signed the paper at the end where it's just the little proof I have to put in their chart that says, yes, she offered me these things. And yes, I said, no, it wasn't just her making that up. And she said, when I signed on all the decline lines, I felt like I like didn't allow you to do your job. And I was said, well, I don't feel like that at all. I feel like you made good informed choices and that was what was right for you and your family. Right. That's a great way to look at it. So, so it sounds like the testing is all the same. Well, then what would you say the differences between typical OBGYN care and midwifery prenatal care are? So I feel like midwifery prenatal care is more of a very one-on-one experience. From For, for me in my practice, basically from the time that my client walks in the door till the time that we're saying goodbye, she generally has me for that entire time. There's no in-between. For me, when I had my typical OBGYN care, I came to the office, I waited, the nurse took me back, the nurse did all my vital signs, she did all of the stuff with me, the doctor came in, listened to my baby, and left. The nurse even answered my questions. For me, my clients are typically in my office um, for their first prenatal, they're with me an hour. For each subsequent prenatal, they're with me 45 minutes is what they're scheduled for. If for some reason somebody needs a little more time, then that is always a flexible space in the schedule. The clients that might be coming in after them are always very patient. I would give them my undivided attention without saying, I need you to go because this room needs to be occupied by somebody else. In our prenatal time, you know, we do all the typical things. We're going to weigh, measure, blood pressure, listen to baby. We'll palpate bellies, which is really fun for not only for us, but for the client to kind of get to know what's going on with their babies. And then they leave urine samples, but we have a time 
that I like to call teachable moments where we talk about things that would be pertinent to this part of the pregnancy. Some of these moms might be a couple babies in and, and say things to me like nobody ever told me that. And that to me is kind of sad because I don't feel like we teach anything that is so outside of the norm. Like, I feel like we should be talking about nutrition. We should be talking about the growth spurts and the things that are going on in her pregnancy and the things that she has to look for coming up in the next couple of prenatals. There's time for her then after we kind of talk about that to ask us questions to say, these are the things that I've been thinking about, or these are the questions that I have. So that when she leaves there today, that she knows all the things that she came in with, all those questions are answered when she goes back out the door. Oh, that's amazing. Cause then you're not relying as a mother, you're not relying on the, what to expect when you're expecting website on Google, you know? Exactly. Well, that exactly. makes so much sense. So those teachable moments and, and figuring out the important things like nutrition. I, I completely agree with that. That seems like a, a key aspect that is not necessarily discussed very much in the mainstream. No, it's not. We get a lot of these moms that come in and, and my most important thing is I talk a lot about protein. So I tell them we shop the perimeter of the grocery store. Don't go up and you don't have to go up and down the aisle, shop the perimeter, figure out your protein, which doesn't have to come from a meat source. You can get protein in so many other ways and then eat your colors. But we talk about protein content, like you should be shooting for this many grams of protein in your diet. And a lot of times when I say that to them, they're just like, nobody's ever told me that. And mm -hmm. so I have them keep like a loose journal at home of what they're eating. I show them how to maybe look up how they can figure out how much protein is in their food. And then they'll come back to me and be like, I was not eating nearly enough protein. I really upped my protein and I also really upped my water and I'm feeling so much better. Oh, that's so great to have somebody to bounce that off of and and figure out the little, you know, the things that can be uncomfortable during pregnancy if there's a solution to it. Oh, my word. Who doesn't want that? Yeah. You shouldn't just be like, well, this is maybe not your first baby. Like, you should just have to, like, suck it up and deal with it because a lot of those things don't necessarily have to be suck it up and deal with it. It literally is just if you give them the tools they need to have a, a better feeling pregnancy, they'll use them. Mm. And what kind of access do your clients have with you besides just the prenatal appointment, which is in and of itself huge that you give them, you know, an hour to 45 minutes plus, um, what, what other access do they have to you? So my clients have my personal phone number. They have access basically to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, and in doing that, they do get a little bit of guidelines for that. Like, I don't want them to text me or call me at 11 o'clock at night to like ask me what comes in a birth kit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I do tell them like, if you're awake in the middle of the night and you're pacing the floor and you're worried about something, please just call me and let's talk about it because I literally can get up, talk to you about whatever it is. I can go back to sleep. You can go back to bed. We can all feel better. If you wait till seven o'clock in the morning to what you feel like is a socially appropriate hour to call me and say, I've been so worried. I slept a wink because I've been up all night worrying about this. I'm going to talk to you about whatever it is. But at the end, I'm going to say to you next time, just call me. Mm -hmm. So we do a lot of communicating text messages, phone calls, things like that. For the most part, everybody is usually very sweet and respectful of the time of our time. We, I also use an online charting system that has a chat feature. So mm -hmm. I encourage them for like general questions or things they don't really necessarily need an answer to, but maybe it's something they just keep forgetting to ask when they're in the office or they need a place to just write it down. 
to go ahead and drop it in the chat feature because then we can kind of just get to it when we can, when I can get to it when I can. But also my students have access to the chat feature so they too can see the kind of questions that get asked of me, which I feel like is super helpful for them. Oh, because yeah. If they're not with me all the time, they don't necessarily get to know the kinds of things that we don't talk about in the office. Oh, that makes so much sense. What a great learning experience. Yeah, I think it's awesome. Hey guys, I know you're enjoying this interview, so I will just take a second, but I want to thank our other two sponsors for this episode, Stephanie Sibio of Glowing Mama to Be. Glowing Mama to Be is your weekly guide to a fit and healthy pregnancy. Training for labor and delivery is like training for a marathon. We have to train consistently and specific to the goal of a safe and healthy delivery. This program comes with weekly workouts, featured recipes, and so much more to support you from six weeks all the way to birth, broken up into three trimesters, so you can buy them all together or individually. Knowing how to eat and exercise properly when you're pregnant can be one less thing to worry about when you join Glowing Mama to Be. And the cool thing is Stephanie gives Happy Home Birth listeners a really good discount. If you use the Happy Home Birth 15 code at checkout, you will get 15% off of any course with that. So be sure to check her out. She also has a Facebook group called Glowing Mamas. It's really, really amazing. She posts a ton of great stuff there and her instagram is steph sibio fitness she posts amazing things there as well so be sure to check her out i also want to thank dreckman family chiropractic in simpsonville for sponsoring this episode when you need excellent care from a family chiropractor in simpsonville you have to use dreckman family chiropractic they have a reputation for their being gentle and effective at relieving all types of pain. Dr. Dreckman specializes in pediatric and pregnancy chiropractic care, so he's Webster certified. He is incredible. I see him every single week, and he sees my daughter, Janie, as well, and she fondly calls him Daka Daka, so let's make Daka Daka a thing. I think that that's the best nickname ever. So they have been awarded the best in industry previously and the parent, the patient's choice. They're patient's choice winners, and if you want to get in touch with them, you can contact them at 864-757-9901. Thank you so much to all of our sponsors and let's head back over to the interview. So I would love to kind of pivot and talk about the most common misconceptions related to home birth and sort of explain the process for those who have never experienced it or, or maybe have never even thought to consider it. So one of the big things that that I feel like always comes up in Facebook groups, just wherever I'm going, when people hear that I have home births and kind of look at me like I'm crazy is what about emergencies? You know, what happens when there's an emergency? So I would love to hear from you. Are you trained for emergencies and what kind of practices or guidelines do you have in place for if one should arise? So we do, we are trained to be independent practitioners. I tell people it's similarly to being trained to like, work on an ambulance where no, there's no physician, there's no nurses, there's nobody to come running down the hall and help you out. We are trained to have to deal with whatever comes up in the moment. 
So we carry medications in the case that the mom were to have um, too much bleeding in postpartum. We take classes in CPR, neonatal resuscitation. We carry oxygen and resuscitation equipment in the very slim chance that we're going to need them. That's great. I, I think that that's one thing that is is missed a lot. Maybe the idea of the midwife is, you know, oh, this witchy woman that comes in with her, you know, her two tincture bottles and is <laughs> ready to give birth. But but that's not how it is, is it? No, it's not at all. And I feel like each midwife does things very differently. But for me, safety of my moms and my babies is, of course, of the utmost importance, which I think for any midwife that it is. So for me, I spent a lot of time learning things that I probably didn't even necessarily need EMT school because I wanted to make sure that all of my skills for that kind of stuff was super up to date and that I did learn how to do these things in a very rhythmic practice so that if I ever had to do that, what I call like Rolodex flipping, when your brain kind of goes into that mode of like, hey, I need to do this, you can like fire off all of the things just like that. Mm, that's a great, that, that's a great way to think of it. And another thing that I kind of think about is how with that prenatal care that you're giving, don't you avoid a lot of emergencies because you know your client? Yes, we know our clients and hand monitoring, like we, our eyes are on them all the time. So I feel like with that being said, it's just a little bit different, but also we don't, this is a mom's body doing what it naturally just does. We're not adding anything to it. We're not taking anything away. So I feel like because of that, the chances that she's going to run into some of these true type emergencies are so much less when you don't intervene in the process. A lot of times you're not going to run across some of these things. Mm, that makes sense. Could you give an example of how that is different from the hospital? So I don't hear of a whole heck of a lot of women that don't give birth without the use of Pitocin. Mm. So they need some Pitocin, a little whiff of Pitocin to get them going or keep them going. When a lot of times in the natural birth process, there's reasons for these breaks. And I feel like because we understand how birth works or we don't, we just see it differently, that if my mom has a labor that is slowing down, instead of looking that, at that as a dysfunction in her labor that I need her to overcome, I'm going to tuck her into bed and give her a nap because I feel like her body is telling me that she needs a nap, not that it needs to go faster. Oh, that's a great point. So, so you're saying that as a midwife, you're not going to be adding some of the common stressors that might lead to emergencies eventually. Exactly. Oh, that makes so much sense. So uh, what about the mess? <laughs> that's, that's the other question that I hear all the time, a lot of times from dads, also from moms. You're coming into this person's home. You know, it's not a birth center. It's it's their home. So what do you do with all that mess? <laughs> so what I like to tell people is there is no mess because I have to clean it up. <laughs> <laughs> so we use all kinds of little tricks of the trades, Chuck, Chuck's pads, plastic on the mattress, Plastic kind of anywhere mom is going to go, if she's going to go on the couch or something like that, makes cleanup super easy. And we're going to take care of all of that. We're certainly not just going to be there and be like, okay, well, good luck with all that cleanup in the morning. Right. We are going to, we are going to take care of all of it. We take out the trash, get your laundry started, um, you know, clean up any spot on the carpet that we may have accidentally got there. Anything that goes on to the best of our ability to leave your house just like we found it when we leave. 
Right. And I do, for some people that haven't experienced a home birth or midwifery care, one of the coolest things when I started apprenticing that I noticed is how midwives make the bed. You know, they have a layer of sheets and then they put on the waterproof mattress cover and then they put on a second layer of sheets. So mom's going to give birth on that top layer. Once mom gets up to go to the bathroom afterwards, we can just rip that top layer off and all of a sudden she has a newly made bed. And that is one of the greatest tricks in the world. Yeah. That's what I feel like makes us like birth ninjas or birth fairies is we have all these (laughs) little tricks of things. So some of this stuff happens and mom never has any idea. So the minute she gets up to make her way to the bathroom, there's some people are escorting her to the the bathroom while other people are springing into action to quickly unmake the bed and have it perfect for her when she gets back. So she went to the bathroom and she comes back and it's like, poof, it's all better. (laughs) Amazing. She never even has to know what happened. She never knows what happened. And while we're on the topic of mess, I just have to tell this story because it's too fresh in my mind and I just have to. So I actually, Carrie invited me to a birth a few weeks ago of a mom that I actually was there for her first birth. It was a really quick birth. And um, so I went to this birth. I haven't been to a birth in a while. I am on the bed with Carrie's other apprentice. I'm kind of holding up one of her legs. The other apprentice is is right there because the mom's pushing baby out. And Carrie's off to the side a little bit. And Carrie said, now guys, her water hasn't broken yet. (laughs) As a reminder, because we are right in prime splash zone if her water were to break on us. (laughs) So Carrie walks over to get to get a towel to make sure that we're covered in the case that that happens. And right when Carrie walks away, this mom's water breaks and splashes exactly where Carrie was standing. (laughs) It was so funny. What I didn't know was I was the one in the splash. So (laughs) right. And you didn't look like it, but good thing you moved to protect us because you would have gotten it. Yeah, my midwife used to like gently lean over our shoulders because, of course, you get like very intent in watching what's going on for all of the changes. And you want to see the things that she sees because she might point out to you like, oh, did you see this? And this is how you can tell the baby is coming down. And she would lean over your shoulder and be like, remember, her water hasn't broken. Remember, her water hasn't broken. And then eventually she just stopped telling you. All right. It it really (laughs) only took one face full of amniotic (laughs) fluid for you to be like, oh, yeah. Yes, I remember now. Her water wasn't broken. <laughs> oh, my word. Well, the next question that I have for you, are there any other common misconceptions that you've noticed about midwifery care and home birth? So I think the common one is that we don't do the things. Mm. Is that people come to us and they have, we have such limited things that we, we don't or we don't believe in them or we don't believe in the hospital, or we're anti-hospital, or any other way other than for us. I feel like we just, because we believe in a different way of doing it, doesn't mean that we're anti-anything. I am so thankful for good hospitals and good care, that if my moms need something, or my babies need something, that they're literally a hop, skip, and a jump away, and that they'll do their best to look after them. Or that we just, the other one is that we just don't do things. Like, we, we do do all of the things. We aren't here to convince people that home birth is a good choice for them. The people that come to me, they come to me because this is something that they have thought about and something that they want, not because I somehow tricked them into doing the super crazy, dangerous thing Mm -hmm. that I, I too feel like I have an investment in them. Like I have 
given them my time and I give them, you know, a little piece of my heart to each of them. And I tell them, like, I will be the first person to tell you that this is not a good choice for you because I want to go to bed every night not thinking about you in a way of regret. I want to go to bed thinking about you at night with a smile on my face that I did everything possible and that you and your baby are both happy and healthy despite how that has to come about. Oh, that's so, so perfect. And I, I do think that's something maybe that is unlooked, uh, overlooked sometimes is the fact that just because you're a midwife does not mean that you have a poor relationship with OBs on staff at the hospital or nurse midwives or, you know, that th- those are resources to you. For sure. Yeah. I feel so thankful for my nurse midwife friends that let me bounce ideas off of them for any local OB that has opened, you know, their ability to have a friendship with them where I could, you know, send them a little message and say, Hey, this is what I have going on. I have a super great relationship with um, a family practice doctor who previously did obstetrics. I cannot tell you how thankful I am for his ability for me to be able to shoot him a text message or call him on the phone or send him an email because then I'm not just out there floating around trying to make it up as I go along. I literally can, can groom these relationships with these other providers to help us out in the situations where we need them. And if it, it does turn around and need that we need something more, then I feel like we have a good base working relationships with people in our community that can see like, I legitimately have an investment in these clients. I legitimately am doing the best job that I can do to look after these moms that it makes me so proud when I can hear one of my hospital based working friends say to me, I was in report today and I heard them saying that we actually had a really great home birth transfer today. And that client came from you. Oh, that's amazing. Or a a doctor tells me like, Hey, I know that when you come in here, these moms are well taken care of. It makes me feel really good that they know that even though what I'm doing is different than what they would do, that they still know that I'm doing the best job that I can do to take care of these moms. And in doing that, we are doing typical things, but at the same time, sometimes we're not. I tell people I take care of anybody from like, what is the most amount of things that you can give me to like, what is the least amount of things I can do and get away with it? Right. (laughs) (laughs) A vast array. A vast array. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and another point that I wanted to make in relation to those to those relationships that you have, your clients are being overseen by some of those people throughout their pregnancy too. Isn't that correct? Yeah. Yes. Every single one of my clients sees um, a doctor two times in their pregnancy. Okay, or and nurse, they or nurse, or nurse midwife if if that is available to us at the time. Gotcha. So they are they are being approved for home birth. So they're essentially getting just a second set of eyes laid on them that says, mm. yes, this, this, it, they're basically just following up for me. Yes. This mom is definitely low risk. Yes. She has a healthy pregnancy and a healthy baby at the time that they are seeing her. So she would be a good candidate for an out of hospital birth. Oh, that's, that's great. That's such a wonderful working relationship. And I feel that that, that does give so much validity of, okay, you're looking at these people, somebody else is looking at them. They are, they are looked at more than anybody else, you know? For sure. For sure. And I feel like too, when, when you're doing that, you're also building that relationship with, with your doctor or with your mid, with your nurse midwife or whatever, that she knows that you're not going to like, you're not trying to slide somebody in that really doesn't qualify for a home birth, it may be not be a good idea for them, given many different circumstances that they also know that you're not just trying to make it up as you go along. Oh, that's, that's great. 
Now, Carrie, my last question for you is, let's say that there is a mom who's considering the idea of home birth. What recommendations would you have for her? So my recommendation would be for her to gather a list of questions together. It doesn't matter how silly she thinks they are, but if they are questions that she, that she has, that she writes them all down, she goes in there armed with the things that she wants to know about home birth and that she talks to a lot of different midwives. I feel like there is a midwife for every mom. And just because the mom on your Facebook group or the mom that lives next door to you or a mom in your mom group used one certain midwife doesn't mean that that midwife is right for you. Seek out the midwives in your community, interview all of them. If any of them has a problem with the fact that you're talking to several midwives, then I would think that she's probably not a good midwife for you because there is such an intimate relationship or should be, in my opinion, an intimate relationship with that person that you want to feel like this is your midwife. Ask her the questions that are, that are pressing for you. Bring your spouse with. A lot of times husbands don't understand this crazy thing called home birth or why a mom wants to do it, whether it be for comfort wise, or this is just where she feels emotionally, but she wants to be at home. He's got a lot of players in this game. I can understand why he feels nervous about the idea of doing this, but sometimes it all it takes is for him to come in and see that we are not just some crazy lady that's going to show up to a birth with a couple of tinctures and somehow convinced his wife that this was a good idea, but that we are legitimate care providers that are going to provide excellent care for his wife and for his baby. And sometimes in just doing that, that opens the door in the mind for him, but also for her sets her mind at ease because now he feels comfortable too. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I appreciate you bringing up the birth partner because that is, that's such an important and valid part of the decision-making process. For sure. And I feel like sometimes women are nervous about telling me that their husband doesn't feel supportive. Like I want to bring my husband because I want him to meet you because I want him to be comfortable, but he absolutely does not like the idea of having a home birth. And I'm always just like, that's totally normal. And I feel like they feel shocked that that is my answer, but it, it is. I feel like nine times out of 10, it, the dad is the one that is look, giving me the side eye when he walks in the door. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Okay. And once they sit down and talk to us, I mean, I've had some people be like, oh, well, you're actually like very normal. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thanks. I appreciate that. (laughs) Right. And that's kind of why I wanted to have you on the show and do this specific podcast is I feel like, you know, at least for me. So my husband was on board 100% because he just knew this was who I was when, when we just first met. For sure. People some people don't have it like that. And even, you know, some of my extended family maybe didn't necessarily say it to my face, but I knew they were like, what is she doing? What is she thinking? (laughs) And, And to kind of have a resource where somebody can look back and, or even just send this and be like, Hey mom, just so you know, this is kind of what midwifery is like. This is kind of what home birth is like. I feel like that just alleviates so many, so many unnecessary fears that are just out of not knowing. For sure. Yeah. And I have open door policy at my office. Like you want to bring your mom, you want to bring your sister, you want to bring your dad, your husband to your prenatal. So they can come in and meet us and, and see that this is an actual place that does and provides actual care. And that's going to help ease their mind, which in turn is going to make it easier for you. Bring them, Right. let them ask me 500 questions. Let them put, put me through it and test all my skills and my knowledge. Like I, I openly welcome that. Oh, I love that. Giving them the ability to be part of such an intimate process. 
for sure. But it also, it, it's it, in turn, you're supporting that mom because mm-hmm. if her support network is standing behind her 110% and is like, okay, if this is what you want to do, then let's do it. Rather than her having to be like, no mom, my midwife is an actual real person that cares about me and provides me good care her whole pregnancy. She's got to put up with that fight. And by the time she gets to her birth, that's just exhausting. Oh yeah. That's a great point. Wow. Well, Carrie, you have provided us with so much incredible information, so much wisdom. I am eternally grateful for you for so many reasons, but for coming on the podcast and really explaining things, explaining the the nitty gritty of home birth. Thank you so much. Oh, you are so welcome. I so love the opportunity to do this. And I'm so thankful for you for bringing this podcast to our birthing communities far and wide. I feel like this is such a special thing for them. And of course, I love you to pieces. Oh, that means so much to me. And I love you too. And I think that we're going to have to have you back on the, the podcast a few more times to talk about different aspects, if that's all right with you. I would love that. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Carrie. Thanks, Caitlin. Well, there you have it, my friends, our Home Birth 101 episode. I hope that this was a really helpful episode and that you guys will be able to use this as a resource, not only for yourselves, but also for your family members. So for our episode 17 roundup, I wanted to go over a few points with you that I found really important. The first one is that midwives, particularly CPMs, are trained professionals who have to go through rigorous schooling and testing, and it's getting more rigorous all the time, I will note, as well as an intense apprenticeship program. They have to maintain certification in life-saving practices such as neonatal resuscitation and CPR. They carry equipment and medications should an emergency arise. So the fear that a midwife doesn't know what she's doing is is just not rooted in reality. Number two, a competent midwife has working relationships with local doctors, hospitals, and the like. Now, of course, some hospitals and doctors and even just general communities and areas are more friendly to home birth families than others, but the midwife herself will do her best to maintain a solid relationship and have people to call on when needed. The third point is that home birth mothers are well cared for through their long prenatals, where not only are all of the routine tests and practices offered, but midwives take the time to discuss other pertinent parts of pregnancy, such as nutrition, that oftentimes OBs just don't have the time to cover. They're also often overseen by another care provider several times throughout the pregnancy to assure that they are a good candidate for home birth. And then my last point, if you are a mother considering home birth, go interview midwives, several of them. Find a midwife that resonates with you and who makes you feel comfortable and supported. And be sure to uh, bring your spouse, heck, bring your whole family if they are interested in the process and are concerned. I hope that Carrie was able to comfort and alleviate fears if anybody was Uh, considering home birth, but be sure to go check out your local midwives. And I appreciate all of you guys listening in and I look forward to next week.